This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. May that be so. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. The transformational power of Jesus Christ is still what makes a difference. And that is what we are about at North Lake Church, giving that life transformational power through the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, get ready with me. We are going through a, an awesome, awesome study. In a, it's a character study. In the lives of people, we have looked at several. We're going to continue to look at some different people. This morning, we are going to specifically look at 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. We are going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath. If you have uh, been familiar with this story, uh, uh, you're going to obviously hear it one more time, and the Word of God, no matter how many times we hear it, is always fresh as the Spirit of God gives us something for us to receive from our spirits. But uh, before we get into this, and I love the underscore, uh, the undertitle of this, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. Have you ever felt in your life like you were an underdog? Have you ever felt in your life that you didn't fit in? Oftentimes I see this in our world. There are very few, even that are apart from serving Jesus, they, they are still uh, in themselves, if you will, and they're, they're not living for the Lord, but they come and they, they uh, uh, get involved and entangled in sin, and the cords of sin starts to entangle and grip them, and very few in the world are what the world would call the elite. Most people are chewed up, spit out, and used and feel like they are less than low. And Satan squashes them, trapped in an endless cycle of sin, depression, sorrow, and all that encompasses it with no way out. We look and we see the statistics of depression, of hopelessness, of people who literally have no ability to believe there is anything worth living for. They look at their world, it scares them. They look at their life, it depresses them. They look to find an answer and they come up empty. And so they consider just ending it all. What an incredible, vicious cycle it is. (laughs) But as we study and talk about the greatness of God in the life of David, 
a shepherd boy, I've got great news for you. It doesn't need to be that way. If you are here and you are still looking for or longing for something that can save you out of the attitude of being a misfit or an underdog or someone who is without hope, I tell you today that he, Jesus Christ, is your hope. God has made a way for you. And the good news is, he's not just made that way for you. He's made that way for all who will call upon his name. Hallelujah. What an incredible, incredible story and life, the life of David. If you're unfamiliar with it, it, David was uh, a shepherd boy who became the king of Israel. He started out... Not being known at all, he ended up, even with all of his struggle and sin, and King David was not perfect. When he became king of Israel, he made some huge mistakes. Mistakes that even cost him, but in the midst of it, the scripture declares that he was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because of his perfection. It was because of even when he sinned, he still turned and recognized God. As we look at the life of David, you are going to find that that is key as we look at his life. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we look at 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This boy who met Goliath on the battlefield, he was not one who was considered to be a warrior. In fact, he was laughed at. But it isn't in the character of David himself. What gave him character was where and whose his faith was in. His trust was not in himself. It was in the Lord. And it brings a question for us today. Where is my hope and trust? And I will tell you, it is easy to be a follower and a believer of the Lord when everything is wonderful. 
It is easy to be a follower and believer of Christ when things are well, when there's plenty in the cupboard, when I am blessed, when everything in life is as just rose. (laughs) Roses coming up everywhere. But I have often found times in my life where I can't find a single rose. I have often found in times in my life where I am in a desert and there is no one offering water around. And at those moments of my life is where character matters and it's not in the character of the man or the woman or the person. It is in whose character you are trusting. Because the man who trusts in self, the Bible says, is cursed. Cursed is the man who trusts in himself. But blessed is he who calls on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So as we look at this, I want to look into three different aspects of the life of David. You would not believe how hard it is to find a shepherd tending sheep that isn't old and looks like he's been through the mill. (laughs) And so my photo for you this morning, although it is a little uh, simplistic, I believe is important because we have to get the idea that when David came to meet Goliath on the field, he was not a mighty warrior, a king who was seasoned in battle. He was not the king of Israel yet. He was yet a boy. That's what the word of God calls him. And if you look in, uh, by the way, we're going to be referencing uh, chapters 16 and 17. So in your study, I know many of you have been asking for these references and and, uh, been asking me, Pastor, can you slow down a little bit when you give your references? So look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17, those entire chapters, because in them you'll get some of the backstory of what is happening, although I will bring reference to some of it. This will help you as you look at the study today. So as we look at this life, David, at this time he was but a shepherd boy. In fact, as you look at the life of David, in the chapter of chapter 16, verses 6 through 11, write that down specifically. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verses 6 through 16, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 11. Okay, so chapter 16, verses 6 through 11, you get the story of the prophet uh, who comes, it's Samuel, he comes and he gets ready to anoint a new king. God has said, I have rejected Saul as king. The reason is because Saul, though he started off well, had turned and decided that he was going to do it his way, not God's. And therefore, God rejected him. And Samuel went to anoint a new king. And as he went into the house of Jesse, David was from the line of Jesse. And so he went into uh, the house of Jesse. And Jesse begins uh, to ask him, why have you come? 
And the prophet says, I've come in peace. He said, I would like to have your sons come because uh, the Lord has asked me to sacrifice and bring. So he brings his sons out. He brings them all, except one. Now, I've heard every reason why David was not there, but I think the one is obvious. It wasn't that important. Because you think if you had a prophet that came and he was lining up, everybody whom you thought was really going to be something would probably have been there. And yet David, being the youngest, was out tending the sheep. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt like everyone in the world overlooked you? That you were the most insignificant life that had ever been lived on the face of the earth? Do you realize that that's a spot of, of number one, of our humanity? I believe that there are times when all of us have had that emotion of feeling like, does anything I do really matter? <laughs> I mean, have I really had an impact? And yet, in this situation, truly, you look at the life of David, and David wasn't even considered in the lineup. Not only that, but imagine he was first overlooked by the prophet himself. The prophet Samuel was lining him up, and when he came, it says in verse number 6 of chapter 16, he saw Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here. He saw one of Jesse's sons, and he said, there he is. There's the future king of Israel. And you know what God said? God said, stop that. You're looking at things like man looks at. You look at things from the outside. I've already rejected him. <laughs> because you don't look at the things I look at. So God says that's not it. So he started down the line. <laughs> Verse number 11, the, set, the prophet says, Are these all your children? <laughs> Jesse said, Well, there's one. But he's the youngest. He's out tending sheep. Samuel says, I'm not sitting down until he comes. Samuel knew God's directions were clear that someone here was going to be anointed king. And as soon as David walked in, Samuel arose and poured the oil over him and anointed him. Think about this. This was in sight of his brothers and his dad, This is something. Have you ever felt like you were overlooked? Maybe even by your own father or relative? Have you ever felt by maybe even someone, a sibling in your family, that you just weren't considered worth thinking about? That's an awful feeling. God knows that feeling. Jesus experienced that feeling. And David here had that feeling of being overlooked. And then look at me, uh, with me, chapter 17, verse number 28. When you look and see 
as David is approaching the battlefield and talking about possibly going out to, uh, to be against Goliath, his brother, his eldest brother, disregarded him. So he's been overlooked. Now he's been disregarded, literally mocked by his brother. It says in verse number uh, 28, I'm sorry, of 17. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Can't you see his disdain? He didn't care much for David. He was overlooked. He was then disregarded. And if that wasn't enough to be overlooked by your dad and the prophet and to be then disregarded by your brother, look with me at verse number 33. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. Why, he has been a warrior from his youth. Now he's been overlooked by his dad. He's been disregarded by his brothers. And he's now been dismissed by the king. Have you been there? Where you just felt like, man, everybody says, you know what? Just go home. Just go home. But you know what? David heard a different story. And I'm here to tell you that if you have felt like you've been overlooked, dismissed, and and disregarded, that God says, I've regarded you. God says, I have a plan for you. God says, my plan for you is different than what the world's plan is for you. People may have overlooked, disregarded, and dismissed you, but I have not. I want you to write down 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. In this passage and this verse of Scripture we find a declaration of those who are gods. It says in verse number 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God says, I've regarded you and I've got a plan for you to be my plan. (laughs) So believe the report of the Lord this morning. No matter how far you've strayed, no matter how much you've messed your life up after giving your heart to Jesus, He still has a plan for you. 
And it is a plan that he's brought you out of darkness into his glorious light that you may declare his excellencies. You are a messenger from the king of hosts. You are a child of the living God. Your identity will never be the same when you anchor it in him. Do not be known by your job. Do not be known even by your family. You may have a great family name. There's no better name than his name. (laughs) Don't be known for where you live or how much you make. Who cares? It's all passing away. But there is an identity in him that he will bring for you in which you will find peace, joy, and life to the full. David found that. And that's why, although people considered him just a shepherd boy, he saw something different. In fact, listen to what David says as we talk about him going to meet Goliath. As he goes to meet Goliath, the Bible describes him being at least nine feet tall. At least nine feet tall. And it says that the king told him he couldn't go up against him. But listen to what David says. When he said, you are but a youth, in verse number 33, and this man's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, verse number 34, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, after all had been said and done, and I may not know what your problem that is overwhelming to you may be this morning. But here's the good news. If I know or whether I don't know doesn't mean whether I can do anything about it. 
I may not know what you're going up against. I may not know how tall or how big that thing is. But the only one who knows that matters is the one who can conquer the problem. (laughs) And he knows what it is. There's no question with him whether he knows what the issue is. He knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly what your weaknesses are. And he knows that the battle will not be able to be won by you. I don't care how big, how bad, how mean you think you are. There will come a time when life will beat you up. And will leave you on the floor with nowhere else to turn. And in your hour of need, whom will you turn to? I know of not one other than God that has not left a battle without leaving it in victory. (laughs) He's not lost a battle yet. There's no problem too big for him. There is no issue in your life. There's no sin too difficult. There's no place where you've gone that his hand can't reach you. There's no place that you could be or couldn't be that God can't say, I'll intervene. God is able. I love the fact that David said, look, there were times where I was just a shepherd. And yet this happened, and with God's help, I got through it. Is there times where you think that in your life, you know, I'm just a shepherd. Yeah, I killed a lion, but who cares? No one even may know about it. No one knows about that. And if I told them, they probably wouldn't believe me. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, how many people do you think would believe David if he says, you know what, today I was watching the sheep and this big, huge bear came And I grabbed him, and he rose up against me, and I struck him and killed him. Yeah, right. All right, David. (laughs) Maybe you've gone through some little battles in your life, and you maybe have the same feeling. You think, yeah, but you know what? Who cares about those? And I know God's done things for me in the past, but who would even believe me if I told them about it? But I tell you that the same God that is able to conquer every problem has your biggest problem in mind now. Whatever it is. You've heard me say in this series, God is not hung up on your hang-ups. You may be hung up with a problem, but God's not got it covered. He's not worried about it. He hasn't lost a single thought over not winning that battle. The difference is, is whether you're going to place it in the hands of God and have victory, or whether you're going to, like the whole army of Israel, say, 
I'm not going out there. Let's just turn and go home. God doesn't have any intention of you not having victory. The point is, whose victory will it be in? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 declares this. And maybe if you're here and you have had a moment where you have thought, yeah, but this is me, that was David, who am I? Listen to what Scripture says. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse number 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who, can, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Jesus Christ, who died. Yes, rather who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. God sent his son and he said, you're free. All you need to do is accept it. That battle that you can't win, no matter what it is, it will not be won by education it will not be won by willpower. It will not be won by you being wiser than your enemies. All of that is trusting in your flesh. And God's word says, cursed is the man who trusts in his flesh. One of the worst things I've ever heard quoted as being a part of the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in there. You say, well, where did it come from, Brian? I believe it came from the scripture that God says you shouldn't be lazy. Everyone ought to work and make his own way. But then this man thing came about where we said, well, God helps those who help themselves. That's the biggest statement of pride I've ever heard. It, that, that is a twisting of the scripture. The Bible says, cursed is the man who trusts in self. In fact, in Psalms it says, some trust in chariots, some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. So your Goliath may be coming, but your victory is where it's always been. It's still in the captain of the host. And I let's go back to that scripture because there's power in that. What David said there in chapter 17, he says in verse 45, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This isn't just the name of the Lord, it is he who is in charge of the armies of heaven. He's the captain. And 
David recognized the battle is not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. Write this verse down if you're taking verses. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 15. That reference is to another battle that happened Jehoshaphat, and he makes the same declaration. The battle does not belong to us. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is one of the greatest things for us who are believers to grab a hold of. After we have received Jesus, after we have been redeemed, it will not now be because you are righteous. It will not now be because, bless God, I've served God for 40 years that you will win your victory. It still is in the name of the Lord. It still is only by him. It's never been. I love that Phillips, Craig, and Dean song. The power is still where it's always been. (laughs) All right. So we've talked about being overlooked, disregarded, and dismissed. We've talked about your Goliath. What is it? It is in the name of the Lord. That problem, David said, this day, I'm going to not only strike you down and kill you, I'm going to cut your head off. You say, man, pastor, that's pretty... (laughs) But understand, see whatever it is that's bothering. See whatever it is that's, that's continuing to knot you and say, you're a loser, you're never going to win. And see it in the hands of the Lord. See, David's not standing there in his own strength holding that head. David recognized holding the head of the problem with it being chopped off is only in the strength of the Lord. It's only in his might, but I promise you, there is no sin, no problem, nothing that has come on man that God can't say, be removed and be cast into the sea. God is able. How is that? In the name of the Lord. Look at verse number 51 with me. David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, meaning the Philistines, by the way, and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead... They fled. When God shows himself to be faithful and takes your problem and cuts its head off, I'm telling you, you want to see those around you stand and take notice, they will. 
And why is it that the Lord allowed David to be in this circumstance? Because it brought about the greatness of God. Are you wondering, well, why is this problem here anyway? Do you suppose that maybe God's going to show his greatness in and through you? I think so. See, it's not, again, serving the Lord when everything is wonderful. Those that truly see the greatness of God are those that see him in the midst of the giant who is standing before you and then for those around to see him with his head in your hand. In the name of the Lord is the key. David came and he said, You have come, verse 45, with spear and javelin. Remember, all of the, that the enemy has to bring is the world, those things that have already been created and already been sifted by the hands of God. Only he is the one who controls it all. Only he is the one. So David said, you're coming against me with these things that are created, but you don't understand that you've defied the one who created all. He says, you've defied the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel. Praise the Lord when the scripture says that the spirit of God lives in you. Remember, when the world tries to buffet you, they're coming against. And you say, hey, you're coming to me against me in these carnal things. But guess what? The spirit of God is greater. The spirit of God is greater. Listen to Romans chapter 8 again, verse number 11. You've heard me quote this but it is good for you to turn and read it with me. Romans chapter 8. I've had people say, yeah, but what do you think that really means? I believe it means exactly what Scripture says it means. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That means in this lifetime right now for your current problem, you can have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Bow your head with me this morning.